Action-packed show. Michael's on assignment. He's a working-class kind of guy, so we'll keep you posted on his progress. We're going to be traveling around the world first, and so let's start out with EU purchases of Russian LNG of 40% compared to pre-war levels. New study finds. I think we knew that, anybody that's been in the business. Next one, Saudi Arabia to extend voluntary cut of 1 million barrels per day until the end of the year. We knew this was going to also come along. Um, Saudi Arabia and Russia and OPEC, it's a whole new paradigm shift out there, and they don't want low-price oil. So following along with that, there is a great Substack article by Ed Ireland. And I mean, Ed is a very, very good uh author and industry thought leader. His article is titled Federal Subsidies for EVs Could Result in Economic Disaster. Kind of goes along with the next few articles here as I try to weave the stories together. And then we're going to come into the next one. Wind developer moves to terminate its contracts off Martha's Vineyard and the whales had a party. (laughs) We've got some things coming up on that. Then we have another one, U.S. double renewable subsidies to $15.6 billion in the last seven years. I think it's even higher than that, but that was from the EIA, so we know the numbers are kind of uh, left off a little bit. And then we had a Texas land commissioner come out and say, federal regulations may cripple oil and gas. Tell you what, I talked about this uh, even with Michael this morning, yesterday morning on the podcast. Um, legislation through regulation is going to cost the consumers more money. So with that, let's start back around uh, the country here with EU. Before I get started, if you like what you're seeing, smash that button, as Michael would say, like, subscribe, share with your friends, tell your mother, tell your aunt, tell your in-laws. We really are appreciative of everything that we have going on and uh, all of the great feedback. We have lots of questions coming in and uh, lots of great content. Uh, So hang on. Here we go. We're off to the EU and Russia. Um, several things in here just make it just absolutely wild. Belgium, Spain, and France have become busy designated carriers for importing for the EU. And Netherlands, Greece, Portugal, Finland, Italy, Spain, and Sweden are also listed by Global Witness as current consumers of Russian LNG, and they're based on shipping data appeared from Kepler, an analytics firm. Pretty crazy. Here's some numbers that just made it mind-boggling. The EU is estimated to have bought 52% of all Russians' LNG exports between January and July of this year, and it marks 49% of 2022 and 39% of 2021. This is nuts. That is a lot of uh, LNG. So even though they're not doing the pipeline, they're paying more. 
And on a podcast just a little while ago, we talked about the price difference of natural gas for the U.S. consumer versus natural gas in the EU. EU is around that $11 mark. And when you talk about the uh, natural gas is 230 something uh, right now, somewhere in that range. So the consumers are getting it in the drive through. So it's one of those kind of things. Uh, unbelievable. Great article. Uh, so even though LNG volumes have increased, it's a relatively overall over of the total energy is what they're saying. That's not what the other folks have said. So it's kind of interesting on that. Saudi Arabia uh, has put out on Tuesday, said it extended its 1 million barrel per day voluntary oil production cut until the end of the year, according to the state-owned Saudi press agency. Let's see here. See if I can get a good quote. And Saudi Arabia depends on its oil revenues to support several so-called giga projects designed to diversify its economy. I have to always say, I don't always agree with the social humanitarian things going on in Saudi Arabia. I hand it to the Saudi Arabian leadership for their energy policies and taking care of their Saudi first. So uh, you have to admire Saudi Arabia on their energy policies. There would be less wars if everybody followed that. Riyadh had a GDP slowdown, which is a slowdown from 3.8%. From the previous quarter and 11.2 in the same period of 2022. So Iran's oil minister, Javad Awi, in the middle of August said that his country was producing as much as 3.19 million barrels per day, despite ongoing U.S. sanctions. Well, you know, when you take a look at Iran, they've gone around the sanctions. Sanctions don't matter. I need to do one thing. I've got Irina Slav's shirt right over here. Irina Slav, I need to give you a shout out. The sanctions shirt is wonderful. I'll put a picture of it in the show notes. Also, a shout out to Kat Slav from Bulgaria. I got this really cool picture from Kat. Thank you very much, Kat, Irina, and Chris. Thank you guys very much. So off with the next around the world. Next one's from Ed Ireland. Federal subsidies for EVs could result in economic disaster. This is coming in about 16 different ways. We've talked about Ford losing an estimated $60,000, dollars $50 to $60,000 per car, per EV. Uh, the subsidies that are coming in from the uh, Inflation Reduction Act don't align with cars that are being made in the U.S. There's a lot of things going on with this. And so let's go through Ed. Follow. We will have Ed's, uh, Ed Ireland's Substack links in the show notes. Follow, subscribe, and support Ed. Fantastic Substack author. Here's a quote from Steve Forbes. Modern day socialists align their goals by not by nation nationalization of companies, but through regulation. In this case, auto manufacturers must go all out for EVs, even though there's no credible evidence of it getting rid of the fossil fuels with this that will save the planet. Steve Forbes. I thought that was very good. I also uh, came up in yesterday when my wife and I were out running an errand behind a brand new Ford small pickup that was a hybrid. 
Uh, I love hybrids. Why don't we go more to hybrids? Um, I'm going to have to go check that out from Ford. Well done, Ford. The U.S., uh, this is a quote uh, from uh, Wall Street Journal. The EV booms make rural towns in America South chronicled uh, massive investments in companies making plants to build EVs and electrical. The U.S. auto industry is accelerating its move south as car companies pour billions of dollars into new factories in Georgia, Kentucky, and Tennessee. So pretty critical that people want to go where workers are. And uh, the auto companies have announced more than $110 billion EV-related investments in the U.S. since about 2018. So a town of 400 people scrambles to prepare for 6,000 auto workers as a giant Ford plant rises. It's pretty cool. But let's also have a plan because the Inflation Reduction Act does not allow for uh, a lot of the manufacturers to do anything, as Ed points out earlier on in the article, to do anything but sell 100% EVs. You've got to be able to blend the mix into the urban, which needs a hybrid uh, and then get 60 miles per gallon as opposed to a full EV that is still using natural gas, coal, and uh, all of the other uh, grid issues and having grid problems. Let's have a little discussion on that. So anyway, Ed, great job. Let's go to when developer moves to terminate its contracts off Martha Vineyards and the whales had a party. I threw that in there just as a fun uh, little bit. but. Offshore wind developer took a major step this Tuesday. South Coast Wind, whose pair of successful bids represented a combined 1,200 megawatts of anticipated offshore wind power, agreed to pay utility companies $60 million to terminate contracts. This is pretty good. Uh, the penalty would be divided into $32.4 million for Eversource, $27.3 million for National Grid, and $591 for uh, unit, according to contract amendments filed within the Department of Public Utilities. This is critical. We're seeing that no one wants to finish these wind projects because the amount of money and Everything that I, again, have found is that the fiscal capabilities or sustainability of wind farms is less than the eight-year mark, and they become carbon neutral at around 10. So nobody's really wanting to get into these investments. The tax money is being uh, applied. It is a mess. So we need to have great discussions about how to reduce the environmental impact of energy, provide more energy, and really take it to the next level of ending energy poverty. U.S. doubles renewable subsidies, $15.6 billion in the last seven years, the EIA says. 
I got tickled. This past Saturday, I got to be on the three podcasters walk into a bar on C-SPAN with Mimi, and she was fabulous interviewing David Blackman, myself, and RT. And we got trolled. If you heard yesterday's podcast, it was great. We loved everybody commenting. It was a lot of fun. Here's where the fun part of this is. When you sit back and take a look at renewables and subsidies, somebody reached out and said, you're talking good things about the oil companies and their subsidies. Well, actually, there's a difference between subsidies and tax incentives. Tax incentives actually help investments from the uh, business side of things. Tax subsidies come in from you, the taxpayer. Big difference. The in- Tax incentives don't increase the profit or the money to the consumer. The renewables or subsidies does. Big difference. $15.6 billion in the last seven years, says the EIA. The EIA number is normally off, so I would take this with a little bit of grain of salt. In 2021, funding for the Low Income Energy Assistance Program which assists with energy bills and other energy-related costs saw one-time doubling to nearly $10 billion after Congress approved the additional funding for the program. This would not need to happen if there was a really good plan in place to use all forms of energy to use it correctly and not print money. Um, We've talked about it before. If you have any feedback, if you're in the renewable, wind, solar, oil, gas, and you are a industry thought leader, I want to talk to you on the podcast. Please reach out. Uh, the, The form is in the show notes. And then the last one coming around, which all ties into regulation, legislation through regulation, the Texas Land Commissioner says new federal regulation may cripple oil and gas. This one, I got to give a shout out to David Blackman. He brought this up in one of his energy absurdities of the day not long ago. Follow him on his Substack and uh, uh, subscribe to it. Wonderful Substack. Texas Land Commissioner Don Buckingham is concerned that a recent push from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife may may lead to problems for the state's oil and gas industry. There is a major shift on the dune sagebrush lizard. The DSL is now labeled as an endangered species under the Endangered Species Act. This drives me nuts. Here we have a lizard that is plentiful all through the Permian. There is no danger. There's plenty of snakes. There's plenty of this lizard running around, but yet the Environmental Protection Agency is doing nothing on the deaths of all of the whales going on on the East Coast. I had uh, released yesterday the podcast, two days ago, the podcast for uh, Dr. Patrick Moore. We talked a lot about the saving the whales and everything else. And then uh, we are also releasing two more uh, podcasts on information saying on how actually the uh, wind farms damage all of the marine life and are, in fact, a danger to mariner and human life. Let's do wind, let's do solar, but let's do it right without killing the environment or people. 
So this one's on there as well, too. So with that, I'll let you get back. And, and oil and gas is uh, going up in price. It was around $86 today. But I'm going to let Michael step in uh, when he gets back on the financial side of things. There were some M&A activity going on. Thank you. Subscribe, like, tell your friends, tell your mother-in-law, tell your father-in-law. Uh, we really appreciate everybody out there. Have an absolutely wonderful day. Hug somebody. Uh, hug somebody that works. Have a great time. See you guys later.